Welcome to the Oxman Sandy Black Pig Group podcast. My name is Kim Brook, and I have the pleasure to have the company of Lloyd and Ailey Vestage of Arn Gask Farm. Hello to you both. Thank you for joining me. So, before we go into everything, what was life like before Argus? Is it Argus Farm? Is that right? Arn Gask Farm. Arn Gask yeah. Farm. What was life like? <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> uh, well, we we always um, well when we got married in 2018, we managed to uh, rent the cottage. At the farmers, part of us was what we. Have you always lived in Scotland, or I I certainly have. I I was born at the very very top of Scotland in Wick, um, and then when well actually sorry I have lived in England but I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for most of my life, I'd been in Glenfarg, which is the village that is literally a five minute walk from the farm now. Um, and the weird kind of tale is that, gosh, 20 years ago, um, my dad rented this farm cottage for his business at the time. Um, so I actually grew up as a child here, uh, but it was always an office to me. It was never a house. It was always an IT office. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up around here. And then you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up in Somerset um, and I moved to Scotland in 2011. Yeah, just for a change in the end. Yeah. And then uh, I was living south of Glasgow. Uh, working in Edinburgh, doing a job I hated in, like, a research library. Yeah. And then... (laughs) 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 I was doing it as a serious thing. Ailey was doing it as a joke. There was a a site called Muddy Matches, an online dating site. So (laughs) I messaged Ailey, not on the site, because I became very Scottish and very tight, so I wasn't paying for the... (laughs) The membership so I just googled her name and photography and then put two and two together and messaged you yeah know, found find my number yeah, that, yeah. I was like I think it was was it April beginning of April so I was like it's not an April Fool's but hi <laughs> <laughs> so um, bloomed yeah, yeah and then something like that the only reason I actually met up with him was that he had Land Rover which he had actually only got recently yeah within maybe a month of joining Muddy Matches <laughs> and a Labrador <laughs> and a Labrador yeah. so neither of you were in farming then not that um, background so, so my my background is that my mum grew up on a dairy farm in Oxfordshire mm-hmm. um, and my dad did a lot of farming up in the Isle of Skye uh, so whilst I hadn't grown up with farming in terms of my parents, um, I'd certainly grown up being aware of it and remember us, you know, going to visit grandparents and sitting in the milking parlour and having a having a cow named after me and all the other grandchildren. <laughs> um, so farming was definitely it's in the blood on both, yeah, my mum and dad's side. Whereas. For you, it's not in the blood at all, is it? No, it was, it was all I had chickens growing up and a, yeah. a Shetland pony. But my parents used to buy up barns and houses, and we used to do those up, live in them, and move. That was that was the country thing we did was buy up old barns and turn them into nice houses, and then move on. So, no, nothing really in the. So you moved the family. to Scotland. You met each other. So what, what what made you yeah. choose and change your 
your lifestyle. I mean, what was the light bulb moment that made you both say, right, let's let's do some different choices in our lives? I think I think the fact that we had already met on muddy matches, we clearly probably knew. I mean, my my joke had always been that I wanted to meet a farmer husband. I mean, he wasn't a farmer, so <laughs> But um, we clearly, or I clearly knew that I wanted to do something in regards to farming. Um, although at that point, I was a full-time wedding photographer. So I was in a very different world. Um, and I think you just always knew you wanted to be very rural. Rural outdoors yeah. and kind of work <clears throat> myself one day. I guess all the, <laughs> all the core things were there in terms of we love animals, we love dogs, um, we love the countryside. We probably are at our most happiest out walking and being outside um like the idea of sitting in an office is like just horrific to me <laughs> although you well, kind of have to, still do have to do it <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so I think the desire had always been there but I guess it wasn't actually until um it wasn't until we probably moved so the situation was that and we got married in 2018 and about a month before our wedding we were still looking for somewhere to live and we just couldn't find anywhere to live at all and we noticed that this farmhouse had was looking empty and we knew the owner and so we contacted him and said is there any chance we can rent it um and he said yes but on the basis that we possibly would have to move out at any time because he was planning on selling it to a developer um so we were like well that's fine because that gives us a bit of breathing time to find something else and I think we got married to be fair our wedding was on a farm just up the road so again kind (laughs) of on a hill yeah we brought everything to the fields (laughs) we're absolute nut jobs Uh, (laughs) so I think even then even in our wedding probably little did we know the farm was again pretty key to who we were and what we were celebrating um and yeah then we rented here and I probably that that kind of installed this whole idea of what it looked like to have land and even though we weren't using land we couldn't even use the barns um we were able to walk the dogs in the fields yeah. and I think just be aware of what that felt like I'm start dreaming don't you <clears throat> you're walking in this land that you could try and buy or one day could own yeah. or desire to have land and the country and just be able to walk your dogs freely and I think I think we didn't think there was any possible chance that we would be able to buy it because as far as we were concerned it was being bought by a developer or it was being developed yeah. um and he was going to sell it ASAP with planning um and so in our minds it was just this like amazing place to live and then we started we kind of I, we started I, to I, toy- think, I think I came up with the idea because like I saw I think I saw something near Stirlingshire and I just said, hey, what what would you yeah. think if we ever bought this with your parents? And that was a, a bit of a... Or did, yeah, did something, did something with, with your mum and dad. Um, and did something small holding, had some animals, something they always wanted to do as well. And that kind of got a conversation going, didn't it? Got I'm a conversation sure. going. And then at that point, we kind of, the four of us began looking for places to live. And we were looking everywhere. We were looking All down south. Scotland. We were looking down south as well. Oh, we went as far as the Lake District. Well, yeah, we did. Look, we looked, we looked at Oxfordshire and realised it's too expensive. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go back to the southwest. It's too busy. And too um, too hot. 
I was like, I've moved to Scotland. I don't want to move back to England. So we looked, we ended, we looked everywhere around Scotland, didn't we? Like yeah, islands. We, we went to see quite a few places as well, which was interesting because it kind of was a conversation starter and helped us to kind of define what we were looking for. And I think we just got to the point where we were like, this is really, we're just like, this is really frustrating because we're sitting on a farm that is pretty much perfect for us. It's in the right location. It's, you know, it's local to stuff that we know people, we yeah. know everything we know. Um, and it's got a good amount of land for us starting off. Um, and it's got the like potential for conversion, which was really exciting to yeah. us. But um, basically what happened was, um, whilst COVID was obviously a horrific thing for lots of people, for us, it was actually a bit of a blessing in disguise because um, during that time, uh, they obviously in Scotland, they and I think they did down south as well, but they changed the, the law so that um, any tenants were basically sitting tenants and they were protected by the COVID law, um, which basically meant that if you sold your property, you had to sell your tenants at the same time, um, which meant that as he, he basically got to the point yeah. during lockdown where he had to sell. Um, and unfortunately, the property at that point even the whole time we had been in it, it had been pretty horrific. Yeah, <laughs> it terrible was, farm. It was like that everywhere. Proper farm cottage, like mm. mold everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, pr- like the, the conditions it were not, it was, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> um, and the reason we had stayed was because, you know, it was the settings were amazing, but the house was not. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically, he. He had to sell us and somebody actually turned up on our door one day and he was like, I recognized him straight away. And he was like, I'm basically, he was like, I'm buying the property. But he was like, I wanted to just come and see you guys to to see who you are and to see what the situation is in the cottage. Um, And he recognized me as well. I'd actually grown up knowing who he was. Um, and we ended up having a chat about it and just explained that Cottage wasn't in, you know, it really wasn't in good nick, Um, and that if we, you know, if he was going to buy us as sitting tenants, that we would really want some, you know, changes made. He had had been bidding to the owner via a land agent, and we had been bidding to the owner directly, hadn't we, as well? Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't realise we were also bidding. Yeah. Um. So basically, <laughs> long story short, he effectively um, said to us, that by the time he'd heard our, our story, he was like, you guys want this so much more than I do. So he was like, look, I'll pull out. He actually was able to tell us how much he had offered on it. So we were able to go in and um, actually offer the same amount or just under um, and then had our offer privately accepted literally that day. Wow, uh, what so good fortune. It was a very yeah a very yeah. bizarre turn of events and probably not your average house buying yeah. story so yeah, yeah we bought we bought a farm in lockdown when no one could get just a mortgage lockdown, yeah, yeah just and yeah, someone was, very, was obviously very... looking down on you absolutely well yeah. i mean and that had been a big thing for us actually because um we're both christians as well and we had actually before it was been quite funny we had actually gone around the farm and just consistently what? prayed about it just kept praying and, and believing that you know, even if God didn't have this place for us, that there would be something better. And it was quite literally like (laughs) we kept feeling like God was saying, this is for you. And this just kept feeling. There's a reason everything else we looked at didn't fit for some reason or got sold or outbid or some reason. So 
we kind of knew like we kind of had to stay because the story our story was was here and we had to wait and just Something wait and see what happened there. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah it was all very bizarre when so yeah, yeah when you, so you, you have the good fortune to have the property where you remembered it as a child and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah so that i mean i think that's very good fortune that's fallen on you there so then yeah forward and You've got yourself a farm, you've got pigs, you've got chickens, you've got a baby who's now, well, grown a little now, hasn't she? A little bit, yeah. And what, so where did all your thoughts come from then with your pigs? Why Oxford Sandy Blacks? What, what? Uh, I think that was all, that was me, I think. I thought, yeah, it was all like We we started with chickens because I was like, I've had chickens, that's an easy start. We, we actually we ended up getting chickens before we even bought it. That's how convinced yeah. we were that everything yeah. was going to fall into place. And then we didn't, we weren't, we weren't super keen on sheep. We didn't have loads of land. The land needed, <laughs> the land had just had sheep on for years as a, a tenant grazer. So we were like, the land needs turning before we can do really anything with it. I think I was quite keen on some pigs but we didn't i didn't have an idea of what we wanted well you were very you were very keen on pushing towards the rare breeds yeah i was like rare breeds because i was like i wanted some rare breed chickens that was kind of the rare breed start of that was some chickens and then i think i think i just looked around i was like i think they just look quite nice and then i think that was literally the, the bit and then i was like well let's see what like groups are on facebook and all of that so i think i sat on the the Facebook group for a while and saw that there was actually quite a lot of interaction and people helping each other, etc. Yeah, you're, you're part of the group quite and a we're, bit. We're, we're yeah. talking, let's be clear, we're talking about the Oxford and Sandy Black Egg Foundation charity. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, yeah, clarify that one. And then I think I, I, think I said to Ailey, there's, um, there's some people down near Kelso that have got some. And I think... Did we just, did I, we messaged, we messaged Anita and Ed, didn't we? Yeah. Organised going to see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, I think we, we, yeah, we went down to have a look, not with the idea of signing up to anything. I think we sat having a drink in their living room and Ed was like, right, so uh, when are you coming to pick them up? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, That's I think that was like. us, wasn't it? We didn't have much opportunity yeah. to wriggle out of yeah, it. Yeah, I think Ed was like, wait, well, so when are you coming back down to collect them? I was like, um... <laughs> So I think that's I bet, that the short of how it started. Like it's quite a transformative time to actually meet. I mean, they're just like the best people yeah. in the world. And Ian and Ed are literally like yeah. the best people. Yes. <laughs> um they're yeah, they're so supportive. And I think just even just wandering around their their small holding was enough to also give us the inspiration that we could do it too. But they're also just like, I mean, they're just so encouraging. And yeah. when you I think that was one of the most helpful things was the fact that we knew that somebody would have our backs and having that yeah, having that with the charity as well was really important. And then obviously we did we did the pig course with um Andrew. Yeah, yeah, online. That was <laughs> which was amazing. That yeah. was like Andrew O'Shea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did the online course with him. The thing we did that before we went to an eater and Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. yeah, that was that was like in a nutshell everything we needed to know and that person yeah that i mean that was just yeah that was incredible um Um, and we actually having done that we probably would do more 
um courses for other farm aspects as well now yeah um, yeah but yeah and i think also with oxford sandy and blacks we also saw the there's breeders isn't there in near like white horse hill down in oxfordshire um and that's literally like 10 minutes from where our uh, my grandparents dairy farm was yeah um and it was just that connection as well to that farming past i think that's and, where anita and yeah, knowing that it's four came yes from that's amos. right amos yeah yeah yes, from, that's right. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh so i think that was quite cool as well just knowing that it was yeah when we realized our first lot of piglets their dad was from yeah. near where my mum's uh, dairy farm had been that was just that was quite cool yeah <laughs> all the way to scotland <laughs> all the way exactly and you have traveled uh, yes you... we, we got we sorry i say we got four off an each and that was our that was a start and that was only mm-hmm. a year ago in april wasn't it which is a big joke actually because <laughs> uh I think we had just found out we were pregnant when we went to see Anita and Ed, but yeah. I hadn't told anybody at that point. And <laughs> then uh, obviously agreed to getting piglets. And uh, <laughs> at that point, we didn't have a pig trailer at all because it was such a new thing. Oh, yeah. So we, we committed to putting a dog crate in the boot of the car in our discovery and these piglets going in the back. And of course, I was I was pregnant at that point. And... No, we're not going to get a trailer. No, no, we, no, no, no. We, no we're going to get an ark. Yeah, we've got an arc. But... Did I not rock up with an arc? We'd driven somewhere yes, back the piglets, and beyond. The piglets went into the boot yeah, of the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I was obviously pregnant and feeling a little queasy. And the smell of pigs is there's nothing quite like it, is there? No. <laughs> you either love it or hate it. Yeah. It was it was a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> a very long journey of hanging out of the window, <laughs> trying to get some air. <laughs> But yeah, that but was you, those were the first four piglets we got, which was <clears throat> the start of our journey. you worked with that and you processed those and you got your first lot of pork made from yeah, that. Yeah, so we, we, probably made, we probably made our biggest error, which was that one of the piglets was just like far too lovely. <laughs> so we ended up, yeah, Lloyd blames me. Uh, we ended up keeping her, which... <laughs> Uh, hopefully well Ed's shaking his head <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we, we kept her for her she was just very docile and very good we, character yeah she's she's the kind of pig that you could just go in and like cuddle she's just super super friendly and so we were we were kind of hoping that from her we could obviously breed some more wieners eventually and that she would at least be quite easy to farrow alongside and if we had to get involved she'd hopefully be fairly calm yeah. but um yeah we sold our first three to friends and family didn't we yeah yeah um we, i don't know if we pork you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the pork the i don't I don't, I don't know if we set out to do that but it was something that I was quite. I ended up being quite keen to do, and we had we had picked like decent food. We had done um, East Coast Viners, like we we put a lot into it, and I was like, "Well, we need to make some money back." Yeah. And, we and how did you? What, what what gave you the impetus to actually think? Well, there are people. I like buying and selling. Pardon? I like buying and selling. I think that's. Uh, that's kind of what I do in my day job as well. So it was, um, it kind of came, you're, quite, you're good at sales and advertising and marketing, et cetera. 
I was keen just to see if people would like what we had produced. Yeah, I think the, the way of explaining how we work is that I kind of do the front end and Lloyd does the back end. I do all the selling and marketing and all of that stuff. And Lloyd pretty much does all the processing stuff, um, like organizing stuff for the abattoir, the butchers, and choosing the prices and yeah, stuff like that. That yeah, probably is yeah, a good way of describing yeah, yeah. how we we how do we things. Work. But I think your, like your your client base is, is is how has that grown? Is it predominantly social media or is it your local? I mean, I, I'm guessing that where you live in is it Glenfarg? Is that right? Yeah, yeah is is yeah. not a, a a large populated place at all. Um, yeah. But, so it's. It's it's not it's it's a village, um, mm-hmm. and it but it's a lot bigger than it once was, um, and there's been quite a big influx of there's quite a lot of new housing gone into it. So whilst we're we're a five minute walk from Glenfarg, but we're on the hill on the other side of the motorway, so it's quite a separate place, and you know it's, it it really does feel like a separate area as such. Um, but yeah, we kind of hoped the first time we started advertising the pork, we hoped that Glenfarg, I mean, to be honest, it was all Glenfarg really that we were really pushing it towards with the real concept that I think we got a taste of what it was like to, you know, at that point we hadn't even like physically tasted yeah. the pork, but we got a taste of what it was like to grow meat on our land. Mm-hmm. And we we're basically, so our our walk from the village up to our farm is a key walking route. And it's kind of well known as like a circular route that everybody in the village does. And I think we quite quickly realized that people were walking up and they were seeing these pigs and they were enjoying seeing them. And actually, I think that it got the cogs turning in terms of understanding that actually, what would it be like for the average person to be able to say that they've eaten meat that they've watched grow? And that's like a really, really big thing. You you put some signs up on our verge to explain... Yeah, the breed, yeah. the meat, the pork, uh, the breed, the pork, and yeah, the history of it. And at that, just at that point, yeah, at that point, it wasn't really. It was like a, you know, <laughs> we're gonna be processing this first lot of pigs, and you know, if you want to try some, great. <laughs> and then it snowballed. I think from oh, that we sold point, out straight away. We sold out within two days of that. The the three pigs we ended up processing, um, and I was like excellent this is working yeah and at that point we had i mean obviously first time like we had gone with the butchers obviously that we had no experience of and had to learn what that was like and we had to learn what it was like just to work with a butcher because that's actually a whole that's a whole experience in itself Mm -hmm. um and learn what it was like to package correctly to label properly and actually we we weren't prepared at all that first time we were no, not prepared when you look back it was terrible yeah, you're like oh what were we doing <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah um and then i think from that point on i can't remember where we get we got our second lot of pigs from um down in dunbar was it dunbar. oh yeah yeah dunbar um but yeah I can't remember their names. No. Um, yeah, we got pigs from them. We got some pig moors from Anita and Ed. We just started slowly yeah. building up our numbers and realised that we could probably make something of it. And at that point, we started researching into other butchers as well and ended up finding somebody who, I guess, you probably describe them as far more of a traditional butcher. So they were quite yeah. well-known in the whole of the area, like Perth and Kinross. They're quite renowned for being... Yeah. Actually, I think they're renowned for being some of the best sausage makers in the area. Um, and they're, you know, historically the place to go. 
And I think that just became a really big thing for us to get the butcher absolutely correct. Yeah. And that would then help with the selling as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've taken a good year to, to build, build process, a relationship, yeah. some trust in what they're going to do because you're rearing these pigs for a long time and then you've got to get it right on what you want and the cuts. So we've had a few trial and errors, but like we're pretty much we're pretty much there. Yeah, like they know they know what we expect. Yeah, we we've got our own labels with them and our pricing is pretty high, but it, it works. Yeah, um, we've we've never had an issue selling. I think that's we had a, we had an issue first selling. Well, the first time they all sold out, so I was like, great. When the second time, all your locals in the village still had stuff, so no one really wanted that much. So yeah, I was like, true. so we were like, right, how what are we gonna do? So that's when we advertised and did an Edinburgh run, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so we we kind of moved from doing our I guess you know like our village pork sell to then moving to this concept of what would it look like if instead of just going to a farmer's market, what would it look like to bring farmer's meat um, to the door? Um, And for city folks who maybe don't get the opportunity to get in touch with a local farm because they're just not near to them, Mm -hmm. um, what would it look like to actually sort out a, a city drop, you know, once a month? or once every two months where you literally drop to their door, they give a pre-order of what they want. And we and actually, that was that was a major, major game changer for us at that point. Yeah, because you're, um, you're taking frozen stuff straight to the door. I'm not having to make sure I've got fresh for a farmer's market. I may not make that much. I'm not having to pay for a cost up front. People have pretty much 99% been invoiced. So you're going, they know what they're getting. It's all done. Yeah, they've already paid usually. So I think well. we, we yeah. did that. We did that once together and that was successful. We did it a second time on my own and it was a disaster. Well, the, the selling part was good. <laughs> it was fine. It was just the delivery was like, it was a long day. It didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but then we had branched out and we had got our neighbor who does lamb we had offered that as well. So we started a little cooperative. So we were selling eggs, jam. Ailey's mum was making jams and preserves. So I was selling eggs, jams, the pork, and we had lamb all going in the car to all these doors in Edinburgh. Which is, I mean, when you think of that concept, I mean, it's just, that's just game changing. I don't think anything else exists that is effectively a vehicle that is going to somebody's door in the city and dropping off a cooperative of farmers meat products or just farmers products to the city that's just like that's not really heard of and i think there's a business there but i just don't have time for it yeah. <laughs> lots of people are doing the package the boxes and sending stuff yeah we just won at that stage for heavily invest and guarantee delivery and couriers and have issues so we we're just like let's just do it ourselves. Let's just get some orders in. Gaily to do all the marketing, the social media, get all this, get all this interest. And you start building up a list of mm-hmm. emails, contacts, and you're going the second time and it's, you're seeing repeat customers and mm-hmm. they're raving about the meat. You're getting people that barely eat meat going, we're going to try your pork. We eat meat like once a month or twice a month, but we want, we want your pork again. It's that good. Mm-hmm. Or because they just, they want to know the food trail. They want to know where it's come from and how it's been looked after. And that's, I mean, that's just, for us, that's really game changing in terms of, like, even for us, and we only really eat meat now that is from local farms or from farmers because 
We want to know how it's been cared for. Yeah. We want to know if it's better quality meat. Um, and I don't think we, well, no, we just wouldn't have been as passionate about that if we hadn't got pigs and yeah. wouldn't know what that process is like and actually care more about what we eat and care more about the animals themselves. So, yeah. So you, you, you think that, so, but it's obvious, isn't it? So sharing your knowledge and your experience to these people, like you say, the people in Edinburgh where you're, you're, you're selling your stuff is a opens different doors and different opportunities for these people because they're actually interested and are they surprised that you are people who you are now um you what you are now doing is that you are now making your own produce you're breeding your own produce it's all home reared all and you're not home butchering at the moment are you so you've got to oh yeah <laughs> yeah one day yeah. So, and you're so how are you feeling now that are you feeling far more in, encouraged to do more? Because you've now got yourself some breeding sows. You're breeding your own now, aren't you? Um, Lawyers yeah, so to get some sows on the genetic spread allowance recently. Yeah. Not recently, yeah. It's a couple yeah. months ago now. It's been an interesting change for us because obviously, so, I mean, it's one thing to just have pigs and, and breed them and, you know, and, and use them for meat for yourselves, but actually understanding that the farm the farm has to make cash that's end line like it has to make cash and so if effectively these you know the animals and we care for them and we you know we genuinely love having them but they have to work for us they have to bring something yeah. back and mm -hmm. um, to make the farm um what it is and to give us some form of income um and so i think gradually what's happened is we've constantly looked for roots of making sure that having the pigs you know, make sense um, financially. And it's been a really interesting kind of process because we 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 went down the route of city drops, which are still a huge, like, I, I think they're just game changers in general. But the issue we had with that was that we were really struggling with the time to process it all and actually get it out. Yeah, um, so yeah. even just packaging orders and then the physical going and dropping it at a door would be fine for us completely. Yeah. Like we'd love to keep doing it if Lloyd wasn't working full time, but he is working full time as well. Um, and so what we ended up doing was we ended up putting a horse box at our back entrance, which to be honest has been the biggest thing for us in terms of the farm. Um, so in the horse box now we have, we basically, we have a freezer which has got a big range of our pork in it um we actually started the first time just doing sausages sausages and bacon and burgers yeah. and just thinking you know it's not high value stuff therefore you know bog standard stuff people from the village can walk up and you know grab whatever they want which has now transformed into pretty much having i guess a bit a massive range of what we offer including yeah. shoulders yeah. and yeah. other joints you know to, to the extent <laughs> we're going from a, a small little freezer and fridge that I'm just trying to source and get a decent price for a tall, uh, big mm. polar fridge so I can put in the horse, horse box. Yeah. And again, the cooperative carries on because we're planning to put lamb in it with the neighbour and we've sorted out, having gone to a farmer's market we, we'd done recently in it one afternoon, um, we've, we've teamed up, we're going to team up with some guys that do uh, local venison in Perthshire. So... A horse box freezer will have pork, 
and a good range and then yeah, should we're, have, yeah, we're should adding have we're adding in a bit of extra stuff for variety and yeah so for at, people to try local at the moment the horse box is currently filled with our pork our um eggs which we do a range of rainbow eggs which is like your blue your greens your whites we do brown eggs we do duck eggs we do pu uh, pullet dog e duck eggs we are doing vegetables um we're doing a range of preserves um, and we're doing our farm grown flowers as well which has been the new kind of summer thing as well um, and then we're just moving into basically offering more so stuff like um we're going to be doing some iron gas home farm christmas cards um, and we're going to try and get some other like dry goods into the horse box. So essentially, it, the, the kind of crazy change for us was we start advertising better. And I guess one of yeah. the best hints, tips that I can give anybody, because I didn't realize until I started playing the social media, um, was changing my route of marketing from a page on social media, or at least on Facebook, to changing it to a group. Um, yeah. and what you'll know from like running the charity page is obviously you can tag everyone um, and that's a big game changer when you're selling products because quite often on a business because of the way Facebook runs things people can't see things yeah. they just don't appear um, yeah. actually the whole concept behind what I do on uh, marketing is basically that um, that group exists as a community um, so all of a sudden if you switch that, ch that change from it being a business to a community this whole concept of what we're doing actually lends itself to a, to a community anyway because it's ethical eating it's great pork it's a farmer's cooperative it's supporting small and it's supporting real people that's a massive thing for people is seeing that yeah. it's affecting and changing a real family um and other families in that as well and so starting up a group that's been and that's really recent yeah. for us. We've I'm only... posting recipes and photos yeah. of the dishes. So everybody's part of it. Everyone, everyone will update and say, "Been to the horse box today. This is what I picked up," or they'll say, "You know, I made this tonight with my iron gas produce," or you know, I use these sausages, or you know, whatever it might be. Promotion. So all of a sudden, that narrative is is a massive game changer yeah. again because that you know it's no longer just a one-way conversation as a community of people who want to support real people, i.e. us, <laughs> um, and use products and, and food that is actually like, is a game changer. It's, it's world changing because it's yeah. better, it's ethical. Um, and I find that like, like all of a sudden we went from having to do city drops yeah. to now we don't need to do them at all. Like we don't, we, we don't it, need it to. It's a cash injection. If, you, yeah. if you've got a bill or a feed bill to pay and you go, right, let's, let's go make some cash or I need to clear the freezer but there's a, there's a daily intake and some, mm -hmm. Friday to Monday is incredibly busy isn't it yeah so we now so I think what we've done because we've built it up again not over long we're literally talking a year I think villager villagers have got to know us so they're now coming more con like consistently but also we're having a lot of people drive to us I mean, to the point of we're we're two hours uh, south. <laughs> we need of, signage and brown signs. Yeah. We're that we're two good. hours south of Aberdeen, but we had folks from Aberdeen come the other day. Glasgow. We have people from Glasgow coming, and it's it's nothing. It like it's not like it's this major farm shop. It it's a horse box. <laughs> it's tiny. It's an old horse box we've converted. But it's it's, it's so fascinating to people this idea of something so unique, the, the, and also the fact that literally as they stand at the horse box, they can walk 
I don't know, like three meters <laughs> down the road and see the pigs that they're, they're... they're buying into our lifestyle. You're sharing you're sharing the highs and lows over social media. People exactly. people will become invested in your life and what you're doing and they want to see it and be a part of it. Mm. To the extent where we did an open day a month ago mm. and I I thought, well, if if we turn couple of hundred pounds that'd be great we have 500 people through the gate and alien organized yeah, this event I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. and there was like 40 people to a slot we did from 10 to 5 on the hour we did a walk around the farm saw the pigs the chickens and and on. yeah able to actually explain to people and the, the way we did it as well was we gave all the kids beach buckets small little, little beach buckets yes. which we collected produce from the farm and put it into the beach buckets and they then got to throw the bucket um the pigs so the pigs had a lovely day <laughs> the, the, the open day was an incredible incredible success but the, the pigs are kind of like the center of what we've done because we started doing veg as well it was like well that's going to feed our two families let's try and be self-sufficient but then we were like well well, yeah, families and then to feed the pigs. The and then, yeah, feed the pigs the extras with the kale and everything we've grown that they can eat. But then again, that's snowball where people want your produce. They can see, they, they want to see your what you're doing and they can see the veg. They can see the massive polytunnel we put up. Everyone's curious. So doing an open day then just tied that all together. And people are like, are you going to do this again? And we're like, well, we'll do it. We'll do it every year. Well, it's, it's a bit intimidating on your first tour uh, tour around the farm. You've got local farmers that are farming like thousands of acres, uh, dairy farmers. Everyone's just very interested and keen to see what a small little farm's doing. Um, so there was a photograph of um, Ailey holding up a, a beetroot to all of yeah. your, your crowd. Yeah. And we did, uh, we kind of did like a specific route around the farm. So, um, we were able to explain that obviously we started at the steading, which was kind of used as like a cafe, I guess. Um, and just explain to people that it was a project because it is very much a project. You know, we we basically bought a an 18th century steading that is C-listed and we're hoping to convert. We actually just got planning permission this morning for the upstairs of our cottage, oh. which is super exciting. Congratulations. So, uh, but we've got so much more planning permission to get it's disgusting yeah. Uh, yeah. so and and so much more work to do which is exciting it's a, it's a lifetime project yeah absolutely so we kind of started at that point and just explained that this was our you know this is what we're hoping to do and the hope is that we'll basically get to a point where we can convert a, a property on on the farm that we are able to live in and the rest will um be holiday homes and that's kind of going to be our end goal that um we're actually able to welcome people for a break on the farm but we'll also offer them like a really high-end luxury stay that they also get to take part in the farm if they want to you know so we will offer them the opportunity to eat our pork to eat the veggies to have flowers that we've grown on our land on their table um you know all those things that make it quite unique as a stay um and and exciting that's quite different um so that's and kind to of show and to show the people as well how how you keep them how the pigs are, yeah. are yeah. fed yeah. um yeah. what you do and how they live i mean that that yeah. says a lot to the produce that you are i think it's just I, you're I, selling. Think, I think yeah i think you don't you don't realize until you're you're producing and then selling meat 
how rare it is to actually understand yeah. where your food comes from like it's yes. just like it's bonkers and I think to some people they just they arrive and or they see what we're doing and they're just like it's it's just mind-blowing <laughs> for some people because actually being able to see that process it's just so unusual and to know that the welfare you know our welfare is so high and actually just being able to say and explain to people that you know UK welfare is really good and abattoirs are good and you know that's a, that's a conversation itself but uh, yeah so open day we yeah we started at the steading then we headed up we did chickens we looked at the ducks we've got some runner ducks and then we've got some other we've got Aylesbury's and uh, Kaki Campbell's um, so all the kids enjoyed watching them and then um, we went up showed them the different chickens that lay different colors of eggs because again to some people they're just like what <laughs> um, and it's always funny seeing kids be like does that mean that like there's a green egg inside <laughs> and just yes. the, you know they, they taste the same but the shell's different and I think because we're living in it as well we forget how much there is to learn from the land I think having having a daughter now as well who you know you can go she's only little obviously so she's not understanding everything but the value of knowing that she's got a life ahead of her hopefully (laughs) where she can actually learn as much as she can from just really basic things around us like where does your food come from how do you grow a beetroot how you know all those really like basic loves your tomatoes yes that's true (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah and then we went to the pigs and um, they obviously got their little beach pockets which they were able to to use veg um able to explain to them about why that's important that they have to only have stuff that's grown from you know from soil to pig essentially um well done and uh, explaining about the pigs, explaining loads about the charity because it was so important to us to explain that we had no experience at all and that we've only been doing this for a year. Uh, <laughs> so actually being able to explain that to people was a really big thing. Um, and yeah, and then we went over from the pigs to... More pigs to check out. Yeah, we went to like different uh, different pigs that we had in different pens. And then we went to Sophie at the, the polytunnel. Um, and we had actually just recently um, rehomed uh, 150 chickens from a chicken farm. So oh, able to wow. share that that story as well. Oh, um, and we'd also, we'd also just completed Daily's dad and a friend had just built a shed that was ba- is based on a guy from Sweden. Uh, his name's Perkins. He does this... Richard. Richard Perkins. He does this regenerative way of farming where everything's done for a reason. Like your pigs will clear the land and then you plant and then they clear the next bit. And the chickens are part of this cycle. So the chickens are in like an, an egg bill effectively that we can pull around the field with the digger. Um, yeah, so it's it, it's a, it's quite a cool design that we kind of changed, adapted because um we're mostly we don't have um like we don't have a tractor yet yet, <laughs> but we're solely using a digger. So we built something on skids, um, and it's a mesh floor. So when they poop when they're in the house, it you know fertilizes the ground rather than you having to constantly clear out a chicken coop. The poo is being used and is going back into the soil. Um, and then there's like perches in it, obviously, and stuff as well. And we also built a, a rolling egg system. So when they lay, the eggs aren't getting dirty at all, which is amazing. There's no, there's no sawdust. Mm. One less house for me to clean out. So the eggs just roll out and you can just pick them out. And yeah. 
it's it's a work in progress though, but it is it is it is working. Um, so yeah, they kind of had the choice at that point. You go and see the rehomed chickens and the very cool spaceship chicken hut, um, or come through the polytunnel. So the polytunnel was our. We only actually got the plastic over that at uh, Easter time. I left and, behind. Very behind, uh, and that was obviously our first year growing. Um, and the way we had kind of the route we had kind of gone down was as Lloyd has said, we had just started growing stuff for our own benefit. You know, it really was just to to feed us. Yeah. Um, and then we started last year, we started getting um questions about oh, can we buy this veg, can we buy that veg? So this year we trialed the idea of effectively growing to sell, um, and then kind of boosted the the horse box um marketing so that yeah. you know, as veg went into it, people were aware of what was going in. So as with uh, as with I think any grower or gardener, there's <laughs> been many mistakes made and lots of things that have worked amazingly. Um, so it's a learning thing. Every I think the same with the pigs, isn't it? Like every every day is a learning day. I think on a farm. Yeah. Um, I had one this week. I was like, right, I need to move these two pigs that are going a couple of weeks. I'm just going to move them in with these other four. But then. <laughs> they were in for a day and I moved them back. I moved them away this morning because one of the other four that were in this group was just constantly having a go at these two to the extent last night, I think it was like nine o'clock or something. I was went to check and the other two weren't in the house. I was like, right, I'm just going to put the trailer over the fence and then they've got somewhere dry to go and I'll move them today. I'm like, I said, Daily's dad this morning another school day in pig farming because that hasn't worked trying to I was trying to see if I could group more together and I've kind yes. of gone well, I'm going to try it with the younger ones the piglets I've got and then we bought some more recently so all the young boys I'm going to group together and they're going to go to the woods but I was like like every day is a school day it's yeah. learning constantly. challenging yeah. challenging yeah, yeah every day is a school day and we learn through our experiences don't we and that's that is the most important thing look i think I've, that's the only, that's probably one of the only ways that other than obviously doing like the course and stuff that's probably the only way we have learned yeah. it's actually just yeah. getting on with it it's like yeah. this this winter just the winter just gone the pig fields we had the pigs in we were grazing them through it and it just became such a, a mud bath we were like well let's just Let's cut some posts. Let's use some electric fence, and we've discovered we can we can we can keep the pigs in on with wooden posts that are like knee high, with one one uh, line of of fence, and that seems to be working. So I was using movable fencing. We're doing clipex posts now. I'm just doing a very short fence with electric, and so far the pigs are fine with it again just, it's just yeah, constant trials of ways of doing stuff and like we put the hooks in the pig arc so we can just lift them up with the digger and move them and every day we're just learning how to improve the way we do stuff because we have so little time you have to do everything as efficiently as you can That's right. exactly well look um, yeah, that, that probably is a key part of we just don't have very much time yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only taken about six months to do this <laughs> <laughs> but look, you two, I, I just want to say, look, thank you for, for sharing your, your beautiful, heartfelt experiences. I mean, there's no doubt that um, your drive, enthusiasm and, and really the love of what you do will carry you from strength to strength. And may you and your family and all at Arngas Farm 
have a successful and rewarding future. And before I let you go, what is your favourite OSB pork dish? Oh. Oh. <laughs> now then. Well, I feel like... I know what mine is. I think I converted Edda and Anita to uh, get some off the butcher the next time. It's probably a bit of a mix-up, to be fair, because before before we ever had pigs, Lloyd's favourite thing in the whole wide world was a sausage roll. I mean, there's nothing better than a sausage roll. <laughs> but there's nothing, there's seriously nothing better than a homemade OSB sausage roll. So I feel like that's pretty high up. But then you... Black pudding sausages. Yeah. We, game changer. Yeah, we, we'd get our butcher to make black pudding uh, sausages. And uh, they're... Well, you, there seems to be a bit of marmite actually. Some people like seriously cannot live without them. Like we have people that get very stressed when we run out of black. They're like, sausage. can you get some tomorrow? I'm like, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, so it's sausages for you then, is it? No, uh, just black pudding sausages, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, and then or, or pork belly. Yeah, pork I think belly, the first pork belly you did was oh, that was incredible. And I think, oh gosh, yeah, there's too many to choose, isn't there? But um, I think this year, <laughs> this year has been the pork chops for me. Um, and done on the barbecue, um, with a really nice glaze. Um, it's trying to rip that. It's trying to keep some of our meat so we can eat it ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> really? yeah, that's the challenge. Really? Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the Oxford Sandy Black Pig Group podcast. So thank you to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us.